Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group, and I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet to make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. This is Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group and owner of this podcast. And this is another episode of News in Education, and we have a lot to cover, a lot going on in a lot of places, so we're going to get right on into it. So this, uh, the source for this is from the Ohio News Clips, Department of Education, that comes into NATG organization's email, and this is dated November 30th. Um, And it says, state and local education news. Six in region win $10,000 VAX-2-school scholarships. State and daily news. The first list of VAX-2 school scholarship winners from the Ohio Department of Health included six people from the Miami Valley. 30 people won $10,000 scholarships. Monday, VIA drawing open to all Ohioans age 5 to 25 who have received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. The six winners from the region included Mitchell Link of Jamestown and Greene County, Lozaya Lamaster of Enon in Clark County, Madison Cook of Mainville in Warren County, plus three people from Westchester Township in Butler County, Alina McCain, Martin Phillip, and Katrina Whitmore. Uh, From that same email, we received that Steubenville City Schools preparing for the sixth annual Stuff the Bus. This was from Steubenville Fox 9 reported on this as well. Steubenville City Schools is preparing for the sixth annual Stuff the Bus, a kickoff including a ribbon cutting where with area sponsors and Big Red Band will be held at 9.30 a.m. on Tuesday in front of Steubenville High School. The bus will start at Steubenville High School Wells Academy and travel its way through the school district and community, collecting items to fill a child's Christmas with joy. Items will then be sorted and distributed to area families. Uh, Meyer extends its teacher discount for the entire school year. Cleveland.com reports more and more classroom teachers are spending their own money on school supplies from their students. That's why the Meyer grocery store chain is extending its 15% teacher discount on classroom essentials past the usual end of end date of December 31st. Now the discount will be applied throughout the 2021 school year to 2022 school year. The next um, piece of information comes from also November 30th and it's from Smart Brief on EdTech. And we received these in our email box as well. And this is news for education technology leaders. Roblox moves toward education in the metaverse. Roblox is a gaming company that is looking to expand its footprint in K-12 education, in part with a new $10 million investment in online experiences. As the company addresses concerns about child safety on its platform, advocates say it could be on a path to making teaching and learning in the metaverse a reality. You can view the whole story on this 
on uh, edweek.org, and the title of it is Teaching in the Metaverse, question mark, Roadblocks, Looking to Make it a Reality. And it was written by Benjamin Harrod, or Harold, excuse me, on November 29, 2021. You want to learn more about that? Um, also on e-learning, it has that uh, the question, has competency-based education time come? Paul LeBlanc, a president of the Southern New Hampshire University, thinks the pandemic is creating fertile ground for competency-based education. In this podcast, LeBlanc talks about this, about some of the issues involved in shifting to that educational model. You can read the entire story at edsurge.com. And this was published November 23rd by Jeffrey R. Young. And it's titled, Are Post-Pandemic Campuses Finally Ready for Competency-Based Education? Uh, Also, in the same email, it reports that online education platform edX has been sold to 2U. 2U Inc. closed an $800 million deal earlier this month to purchase edX, an online education platform established as a nonprofit organization nine years ago by MIT and Harvard University. Christopher Chip, that's his name he goes by, Palsic, 2U's co-founder and CEO said, the coronavirus demonstrated opportunities for growth in online learning. You can look up the full story at thewashingtonpost.com. Also reporting, um, how will the Omicron variant affect schools? Almost 10% of K-12 schools nationwide have experienced closures this year, including 621 schools across 58 districts that announced closures last week. According to data, Service Burbio uh, and Dan Dominic, Executive Director of AASA, the School Superintendents Association, says the newly emerged Omicron variant of the coronavirus could worsen the situation, leading to additional closures and less in-person learning. You can read the full story about this at the 74million.org. The title of the article is, As Threat of Omicron Variant Looms, School Closures Continue Ticking Upward. It was written by Asher Laher, L-A, I'm sorry, L-E-H-R-E-R dash small on November 29th. Give me a moment. Um, Also reporting on schools and social media in the same email, Social media literacy could become Florida school requirement. Lawmakers in Florida could make social media literacy a requirement in schools, adding it to other mandatory subjects and putting additional information online for parents. The legislature will consider the bipartisan initiative during its 2022 session. You can read all about this report on Florida Phoenix, Tallahassee. It's um, FloridaPhoenix.com. And the title of the article is Should Florida Students Learn Social Media Literacy in School? Some lawmakers, excuse me, some lawmakers think so. This was written by Daniel J. Brown and um, published on November 29th. moment. 
sorry, I have to switch between a lot of different news things. And there is a lot. Okay, so here's another one from, this one's from dated December 1st, and it's news clips from Ohio Department of Education, State and Local Education News. Parma City Schools is to host student vaccination clinics on December 17th and January 7th. Cleveland.com reports, in partnership with Rite Aid and PSI, Parma City Schools is offering COVID-19 vaccinations for ages 5 and older from 4 to 7 p.m. December 17th and January 7th at the administration building located at 5311 Longwood Avenue in Parma. The two dates separated by three weeks are for students to receive the first and second shot. Also, boosters will be available for eligible adults. Now, I'm not advertising for them. I'm just sharing what's happening in, in the world of education and the news. Um, I think I've made it pretty clear that I'm not for the shots and certainly not for young children. Um, but again, reporting the news to you. Okay, also Licking Valley Sisters team up to develop an app win technology competition. The New York Advocate reports that Licking Valley senior Taya and freshman Maya developed an even tighter bond recently. They teamed up along with the Jacob Keffer from Tri-County Career Center to win the 2021 Tech Corps Hackathon, sponsored by AT&T and Zane State College. They developed an application that allows users to input hobbies or other interests to match with people around them to make friends. And Perry High School students lead supply drive for extended housing. The Willoughby News Herald reports, Deanna Vassini, a senior at Perry High School, presented extended housing with household supplies from a drive she organized. The drive culminated recently at the Perry High School girls basketball game against Madison, where people from both Perry and Madison were encouraged to bring supplies, getting free admission with a donation. Deanna decided to launch the supply drive after hearing a presentation about homelessness in Lake County from extended housing outreach team and one of its board members who had previously experienced homelessness. Quest for Success plans holiday feast and fun. Steubenville Herald Star reports, the Quest for Success before and after school program will host a holiday feast and some fun with a Christmas dinner on December 10th, which has already passed. The Quest program kicked off its fifth year in October and partners with the Franciscan University with the goal of increasing opportunities for student success in literacy, mathematics, social development, family support, and community involvement. The Quest for Success is made possible through a five-year, $850,000 grant from the Ohio Department of Education, which provides $200,000 annually for the first three years. With 150 thousand during year four and a hundred thousand the final year. Also reporting North Homestead Middle School celebrates Gratitude Week in Cleveland. Cleveland.com reports kindness is key for North Homestead Middle School's WEB, which is um, acronym for where everybody belongs, leaders, which recently held a Gratitude Week at the Butternut Ridge Road building. Efforts during the recent Gratitude Week included sharing positive messages on the sidewalk and on the student lockers, encouraging students to watch related videos and complete the gratitude and kindness challenges, as well as collecting food for donations. <clears throat> the next information I have to share with you from Homeschool Legal Defense mailing from December the 1st. And it says, parents say in education 
parents say in education, crucial to maintaining democracy for our kids. In a recent Law Journal article, Homeschool Legal Defense Senior Counsel Mike Donnelly argues that involving parents in education is crucial to maintaining the most treasured freedoms and enabling our children to thrive. They also report the 200 billion federal preschool bill ignores research and common sense. From Homeschool Legal Defense Administration Action, the US House of Representatives has passed a bill that includes $200 billion in new spending for preschool programs. The measure ignores research that shows early education programs may negatively impact early childhood development. That's part of the Build Back Better, um, which is pumping million, billions into free preschool, but at what cost? Um, and that's all part of what I was just reading from Homeschool Legal Defense. Uh, just a moment. Uh, parents know best when it comes to their kids' education. But as we've seen, time and time again, the government disagrees. And now the federal legislators have come up with yet another scheme to get parents out of the way, universal preschool. Last week, and remember this, I believe, came out December 1st. Um, last week, the House of Representatives passed the largest expansion of public education system in decades. It's called the Build Back Better Plan. The federal government will fund pre-kindergarten programs nationwide while touted as a way to improve early education access for low-income and otherwise disadvantaged families. The result will be more children in government-run schools at an early age than they are now, earlier age. Um, for families who choose to send their kids to preschool, they currently have a, a lot of programs to choose from. From nonprofit preschools, ones run, one run by faith-based groups, schools run by private for-profit organizations and public preschools, VIA, the Heat Head Start program. Of the purported 3.5 trillion of the bill's total cost, the plan passed by the House would use 200 billion of that to provide publicly funded tuition-free pre kindergarten for all children three to four years old nationwide. Sorry to chuckle, but three to four year olds? I I just, I don't agree with that personally. Um, Pre-K programs must be approved and government regulated in order to receive funds, which means that rather than invest in the options currently available, VIA grants, tax credits, and other policy options, this fund will be funneled into the public school system since very few of the non-public -pub options meet the requirements for federal funding, instead allowing for alternative options to flourish. This proposal will limit parent choices and pull more kids into the one-size-fits-all public school. Biden has said that these three to four-year-olds who, who will benefit, quote, from universal pre-K will be a part of the best educated generation in American history. He means indoctrination. While these kids may spend more time in school than the others before them, will that mean they will be, will that mean that they are better off, question? You think they'll be better off? The best educated generation question? A look at already existing federally funded preschools suggests that the answer is no. The government already funds pre-K through Head Start program for low-income families at the tune of 9.8 billion a year. <clears throat> In 2010, Congress commissioned the Department of Health and Human Services to study the effectiveness of Head Start. What was the result, you asked? 
The department concluded that the program yielded positive initial effects, but the advantages gained during their time in Head Start and up to age four yielded only a few statistically significant differences in outcomes at the end of first grade. After third grade, there were no perceived benefits for students who attended Head Start versus those who did not. So what does the broader research on very early ed education say? Well, these three and four-year-olds, uh, would they be better off with more time spent away from their parents? More time spent learning government-approved curriculum and more learning in a rigid bureaucratic determined timetable? Existing research shows that young kids benefit from a flexible learning environment where they can learn at their own pace, not a highly structured classroom, where all students are expected to develop the same rate. A 2018 Harvard study suggested that instead of giving children a head start, kindergarten at a younger age could be a risk factor for ADHD. In contrast, 2015 Stanford study showed that delaying kindergarten a year could significantly help children self-regulate their attention. And numerous studies document that important role that free playtime serves to help children develop lifelong emotional and mental skills. Time that often ends up in being in short supply in a structured preschool or kindergarten environment. So how would this work and would it affect compulsory education? Well, extending the government run education to preschoolers fix the already existing issues with the public education system. It's common sense that if the foundation of a house is sinking or cracked, you don't then add another story before fixing the problem. In this case, the failing public education system is the house, yet the government wants to expand its responsibility by adding two more years of early education. And if preschool is universally available to three and four-year-olds, along with federal funding for each child, how enticing will it be for states to lower their current compulsory school attendance levels to an even younger age? despite the research that shows kids are not necessarily well served by early education. There are currently nine states that require children to begin formal education at five years old, with more states pushing for similar requirements each year. Is federally funded universal pre-K even a proposal that American families want? During the COVID-19 pandemic, parents have seen just how broken and ineffective the public education system is. How poorly it is serving the kids. Moms and dads have made their dissatisfaction clear at school meetings. Across the country with the latest election results in Virginia. Parents want to provide their students with the best education possible, whether it's homeschooling, private school, public, or a public option that actually does the job. Parents want more control of their children's education, not less. They want the ability to choose the program best suited to their family's needs. Universal preschool will restri restrict that freedom by limiting the existing options available and expanding only the public programs. Neither research nor, research nor common sense supports federally funded universal pre-K yet. The current administration is forging ahead with the proposal anyway, because at the end of the day, this isn't about what's best for the kids. It's about what the Secretary of Education Cordona meant when she said that parents are not the primary stakeholders, or when uh, the VA uh, gubernatorial candidate, uh, Terry McAuliffe, said that I don't think parents should be telling schools what to teach. 
The powers that be think that parents are an impendent to the proper upbringing of children. And those parents need to be removed from the equation as early as possible. <laughs> so how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this article? How do you feel about, you know, this way of thinking where they're trying to take the rights away from the parents? Pretty crazy, isn't it? Okay, so also um, from the same email, Grant helps missionary family keep homeschooling in South Sudan. This missionary family homeschools in a remote region of the South Sudan where modern amenities are scarce and they carry in everything they need for two years at a time. In a homeschool legal defense administration, Compassion Grant helped them swap out school books for digital materials so they can travel to their place of ministry with a lighter load. You can read all about it on the Homeschool Legal Defense website. A college accepted this grad's homeschool diploma, a licensing agency didn't. A homeschool graduate with an associate's degree applied to a medical certification board in hopes of becoming a qualified pathologist Officials refused to take the test. This was published November 30th by Daniel Beasley, Esquire. It can be found at homeschoollegaldefense.org. But anyways, this person, um, Hannah, who was a homeschool graduate from New Jersey, signed up for a certification exam for the American Society for Clinical Pathology, also known as ASCP. Although Hannah held both a valid high school diploma issued to her by her parents and an associate degree from the Marion Military College, ASCP said that her application for testing was deficit because they did not consider her high school diploma valid. Thinking there must be some misunderstanding, Hannah called the ASCP's customer service line and pointed out that the ASCP standards for testing eligibility clearly state that an associate degree should be sufficient. Nonetheless, ASCP representative informed Hannah that she was ineligible due to her status as a homeschool graduate. After being unable to speak with anyone in the ASCP leadership, Hannah knew what to do next. Her family had been a member of Homeschool Legal Defense, so she contacted our legal team for guidance and assistance. We promptly sent a letter to ASCP explaining Hannah's situation, pointing out that Hannah had not only legally, not only had only a legally valid high school diploma, but also an associate's degree, which was more than enough for her to meet their standards for testing. Thankfully, ASCP contacted Hannah a few days later and told her that there had been a misunderstanding and that she met the eligibility standards for testing. Homeschool Legal Defense is grateful for ASCP's willingness to correct their error and allow Hannah to take the certification test. <laughs> yeah, misunderstanding, right? Homeschooling as Resistance and Healing for Black Families, an interview with Dr. Cheryl Field-Smith. Join Jim Mason, Homeschool Legal Defense Vice President of Litigation and Development, an educator and education professor, excuse me, Cheryl Field-Smith for a conversation about the emergence of homeschooling in the black community. Their, their interview covers some common reasons why black families are choosing to homeschool. Dr. Field Smith works work researching stories of black homeschoolers and why Dr. Field Smith sees homeschooling as a form of resistance and healing for families. You can listen in um, to this show or this podcast by going to homeschoollegaldefense.com and finding their podcast area. Um, 
here's a story for Washington State. Um, public school lost students during the pandemic, and the homeschooled population has boomed. This is reported by the SeattleTimes.com. Uh, so you can go on there, and the title of the article is as Washington State Public Schools lost students during the pandemic, homeschool population boomed. It was published November 26. It was written by Dahlia Bizes. I'm probably not saying that correctly, so I apologize. <clears throat> so between the fall of 2019 and the fall of 2021, school districts across Washington State saw their enrollment decline by 3.5%, with some districts seeing steeper drops than others. While some states and local officials are sounding the alarm about losing funding, experts say federal funds could help soften the blow. So if you go to look this up, you'll see a, uh, they have a graph and it has where in Washington they they lost the most students. So um, they have different districts, many different districts. So if you want to see that graph, check that that out online, and you will see a whole list with the numbers. And and statewide, it, it came out to thirty-seven thousand nine hundred eighty-one. So in the wake of the pandemic, school closures, school districts in Washington state saw their enrollment decline by tens of thousands of students. The statewide drop calculated between the fall 2019 and fall 2020 was amongst the largest in the country. New state data from this fall shows the school systems still have not recovered their losses, leaving open questions about when and if these students will return. So, um, yeah, uh, you can look that up and you can see the graph and read more about it if you'd like to. But, I mean, that's the gist of the information. Okay, here's one. Um, councils in England report 34% rise in electia home education. This is put out by theguardian.com. And that is the title of the article. It says, pandemic linked to a rapid surge in number of families choosing to take children out of school. The Association of Directors of Children's Services estimates that 115,542 children and young people in England were electively home educated at some point in the 2020, 21 academic year. Councils in England have identified a rapid surge in the number of parents choosing to take their children out of school to teach them at home with a 34% jump in pupils being electively home educated on last year's figures. The number of families choosing to home educate have been increasing in recent years but the pandemic appears to have accelerated the trend with, uh, with health fears related to COVID. The most common reason given by parents, followed by concerns about the, their child's anxiety or mental health problems. So, sir, well, I had already shared about the Association of Directors Children's Services. So they, they kind of repeat that and then um, if there's anything else to share, I mean, you can look it up, you can look it up and you can read it all if you want, but that is also the gist of that article. All right, so we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Hello, listeners. Enjoying the New Heights show on education and or donate to our organization, please visit www.education.org. While you're there, 
check out our online store at me-hype-educational-group.myshopify.com. Hello, and welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. This is Pamela Clark, and we are doing an episode on news and education. So I'm sharing different things happening around the U.S. and the world. And so let's get right back into it. So uh, we have this next one is from... Uh, ASCD Smart Brief again, and this was published, or this came into our email on December 2nd. News for Education Profession, Teaching and Learning, um, Opinion, Build Resilience in Educators. Educators benefit from resiliency, and so do students, right? Sean Slade and Alyssa Gallagher, co-heads of education in North America for BCS Spark. In this commentary, they share how honing social competence, autonomy, and a sense of meaning and purpose build resiliency, as well as help educators navigate uncertain times. You can read the full story at edsurge.com, and it's titled Resilience is as important for educators as it is for students, written by Alyssa Gallagher and Sean Slade, published December 2nd, if you're interested in that. Uh, also, from that same email, uh, UNICEF views effect of pandemic on learning. Learning loss associated with the coronavirus means the, quote, COVID generation will have fewer economic opportunities, according to UNICEF. It reports it, its report supports returning to in-person learning as soon as possible, noting that the school in many parts of the world have not returned in person. Sorry, just a moment. The Khan Academy CEO focuses on Growth and Mastery Learning, this is under Technology in the Classroom, uh, from the same email. Uh, Paul Kahn, CEO and founder of the nonprofit Khan Academy, says the platform expanded during the coronavirus pandemic to now serve students in over 200 school districts, up from, um, up from 92 years ago. In this interview, Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Typo. Um, up from nine, two years ago. Um, in this interview, Khan discusses efforts to expand the focus on mastery learning. It's also on the Ed Surge as a full story. Okay. Um, also in this report, it says the Institute to offer farm to school training support. The University of Maine will use $225,000 in federal funds to establish the Maine Farm to School Institute. The Institute will help strengthen the Farm to School program by providing training to school officials and helping to support not only Farm to School programs, but also school gardens. You can read the full story about this on Portland Press Herald in uh, Maine. And it was published December the 1st. Also reporting, schools began spending coronavirus relief funds. School plans to spend $122 billion in federal coronavirus relief funds for education vary according to an, an analysis. A minimum of 20% of the funds must be sent to curb learning loss, what they call learning loss, but schools have discretion over the remainder. View the entire story on Education Week, and it was published on December the 1st. Um, Bloomberg donation to expand charter school enrollment. 
Michael Bloomberg, founder of the Bloomberg LP and former mayor of New York City, announced Wednesday that he will donate $750 million to expand charter schools in 20 U.S. cities. The five-year effort, Bloomberg says, will make 150,000 charter school seats available for students. Full story at the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, and Educationally. To me, this sounds like they're trying to control what's being taught as much as possible. And um, I'm a little suspicious of this. I should say I'm a lot suspicious of it. This is from the um, Ohio Ed Update, and it comes in our email. This came in on December 2nd. It says that participate in the high school mathematics pathway pilot. As the Ohio Department of Education is moving forward with the launch of a high school mathematics pathways initiative, the department is collecting names of districts interested in participating in several pilots. Examples could be like the advanced quantitative reasoning, uh, mathematical modeling and reasoning, data science foundations and discrete mathematics computer science for the 2022-2023 school year. Each of these courses can count towards a student's third or fourth unit of mathematics and, and is one of Ohio's new algebra equivalent pathway courses. Department's goal is to work with partner organizations to implement and scale these pilots. Therefore, the department may share the names of interested districts with the partner organizations who then will contact them about the pilots. Just give me a moment to switch to another article. Sorry. Um, this is from a different email, but from the same place that so came in from Ohio Ed Update, and it says that the Ohio State University Department of Mathematics Service Outreach Branch Buckeye uh -huh, Math Moments, or known as BAM with two M's, is hosting a free virtual monthly workshop um, for students ages six to twelve. So they do this every month, and they, I guess, it's like at eleven a.m. Um, and you can learn more uh, about it if you're interested at go.osu.edu. They also have information there about a um, association for women in mathematics T-social. That's also for grades 6 to 12. And um, it's usually at the OSU main campus in Columbus. Both of these programs are free if you're interested in them. So, um, yeah. All right, so here is another one from um, Smart Brief on special education. This came in on December 3rd. And this is under curriculum and instruction. And the full story can be found on the Hill. So um, it says mitigating learning loss for students with disabilities. National Center for Learning Disability recommends implementing inclusive, accessible instruction enriched with social and emotional learning activities, ensuring students' evaluations are effective and engaging families in the education process as 
strategies to help address learning loss, writes Javier Sticky. And I might have butchered that. I apologize. But this person is the president and the CEO of the Hunt Institute. This opinion piece, studies show that students with disability are at a greater risk of learning loss under ordinary circumstances, and that the pandemic has only heightened that risk. Also, um, same, same email that we received. It says that under technology trends, um, it asks the question, are educators suffering from tech fatigue? Research shows declining interest from educators to use blended learning approaches in schools. According to data from the Clayton Christensen Institute, Thomas Arnett, a senior research fellow at the Institute, says that many teachers may feel it is too much to offer blended learning now that most schools have returned to in-person classrooms. You can find the full story at Education Week. Also, I own exceptional, sorry, exceptionalities. The CDC Associated Press, excuse me, report that one in 44 eight-year-olds diagnosed with autism in 2018. Researchers at the CDC analyzed from 11 states and found that one in 44 eight-year-olds have been diagnosed with autism in 2018 compared with one in 54 in 2016. Another CDC report found children had 50% higher odds of being diagnosed with autism by age four in 2018 than in 2014, suggesting that there is some progress being made and the earlier kids get identified, the earlier they can access the services that they might need to improve their developmental outcomes. CDC researcher Kelly Shaw said in, in the Associated Press, you can read the full story and it is December. We're gonna take another quick commercial break and we will be right back. World's fastest growing video based, self paced teaching courses, fully accredited online schools, and recommended by more than 96%. Individual courses are just $95 each. Earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at sehs.co. Back to the New Heights Show on Education. This is Pamela Clark. And we are learning about news and education and covering some of the things that are um, that are in the news and being written about. So the next one I have for you is from the ASCD Smart Brief, dated December 7th. We're moving right on along through different news stories. So this is under teaching and learning, and it reports report highlights schools make making academic gains. A recent report from St. Louis University's Policy Research and Missouri Education Center is highlighting schools that report higher rates of academic growth and progress, rather than focusing strictly on academic achievement. Yeah, we wouldn't want to look at that, would we? Stephen Reismith, who's the executive director of Prime Center, says focusing strictly on achievement is problematic <laughs> because scores are often tied to students' social economic background. You can read the full story at St. Louis Public Radio dated December 6th. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Toyota pilots automotive training at three high schools. Toyota, I'm sorry, I know I'm saying that wrong. 
Uh, Toyota is piloting a community college level automotive training program at three high schools in the U.S., including the Career Elevation and Technology Center in Colorado. The program provides participating schools with tools, including cars and engines, as well as opportunities for students to engage in job shadowing and internships at area dealerships. You can read the full story at Daily Camera, uh, Boulder, Colorado, dated 12-3. Also under trans transformational leadership, a science teacher uses scuba diving to take on stereotypes. Veronica Wiley, a science teacher at a predominantly black high school in Mississippi, is developing a youth scuba training program. In this commentary, Wiley writes how the program seeks to break stereotypes and help students pursue interest in marine archaeology, scuba diving, and marine life advocacy. The full story can be found at the Heisinger Report, and it was dated December 6th. <clears throat> Standard technology in the classroom. We have a few more uh, reports. We have uh, the Massachusetts. The preschool in Massachusetts uh, is said to be the first in the state to pilot robot assistant instruction. TV report is used to help students develop basic skills in fair assessment, assistant superintendent for student services and at Andover, Andover Public Schools. They, it's a promising tool that helps students learn VIA so you can look that up on the Boston Globe, dated 12-6, uh, and read all about that. It's titled Massachusetts Preschool Pilots Robot Assisted Learning. Also under technology, Apple Boys and Girls Club boosts coding literacy. Apple is celebrating Computer Science Education Week by giving young people at Boys and Girls Club free access to Everyone Can Code, a program that teaches beginner app development and design using Apple's Swift programming language. The initiative will be rolled out in the U.S. in 10 U.S. regions. You can read the full story at Mac Rumors, M-A-C, capital R-U-M-O-R-S, dated 12-6. Um, under the whole child category, we have two Virginia districts aimed to feed students over winter break. Students in some Virginia school districts will continue to have access to school meals while campuses are closed for winter break. Page County Public Schools will offer students a bag with 12 snacks before winter break, plus Harrisonburg City Public Schools and the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank are collaborating, collaborating to distribute non-perishable food items to families. And you can see the full story on that at WHSV-TV and Harrisburg, Harrison, excuse me, Berg, Harrisonburg, Virginia, dated 12-6. And in Pennsylvania, the school district helped establish a library cards for all program that provides students in the district with a library card that can be used at each of the county's 74 public library locations. New kindergarten students in the district automatically will be, will be enrolled in the program. The full story can be found at pittsburghpost.gazette, dated 12-6. Bear with me if I bring up uh, the next one. 
Alrighty, so this came in from Ohio Ed Updates on December 7th, and it's under state and local education news. Uh, state gives approval to Youngstown City Schools Improvement Plan. The Ohio inter Interim School Superintendent approved academic improvement plans for Youngstown and two other school districts under the control of the Academic Distress Commission. With these approvals, the Youngstown, Lorraine, and East Cleveland School Districts may now begin a process with several steps to move from under the state to local school board of education control. Also reporting, um, Fry Rivers to offer free associate degree program through the University of Akron. Marion Starr reports a cheer of let's go zips could be heard from the back of the Tri Rivers Career Center community room Monday morning as Superintendent Charles Spillman signed a partnership agreement with the University of Akron to provide Marion area students with the opportunity to earn a free associate degree in technical studies while still in high school. Okay, and then um, this is a smart brief on EdTech, dated December 7th, and um, top news. Uh, it has study examines the effects of reading books to children. Researchers examine interactions between 72 parents with their toddlers, toddlers age two and three, compared interactions while reading tablet apps versus traditional children's books and found that parents talk to their children more while reading a book, adding that children responded less to their parents using the tablet. The study published in the pediatrics also showed 98% of families over, of children, excuse me, younger than nine own a cell phone or tablet and toddlers which is unfathomable to me, toddlers spend an average of two hours per day using digital media. You can find the full story at HELO, I might be saying that wrong, it's H-E-A-L-I-O. Okay, another report, this is from KDFWTV in Dallas-Fort Worth. Students ride bikes while reading in school library. Students at a public charter school in Texas are reading and exercising at the same time using new hybrid bike desks in the school library. School librarian Tanya Tate says the bikes are popular drawing more students to the library to read. Isn't that interesting? I thought that was an interesting story. Also reporting at KGUN-TV in Tucson, Arizona, a traveling lab brings science to Arizona students. Fourth and fifth grade students at the Abbey School in Tucson, Arizona recently learned about conductive electricity during a visit from the Science on Wheels, a, mo a mobile science unit created by the Arizona Science Center. Tad Bays, the CEO of Program Partner Academic Opportunity of Arizona says, visits are planned for more schools across the state to bring STEM opportunities to students with special needs and those from low income backgrounds. Here's another one that's um, kind of interesting. It's under tech tips and it's elementary school, I'm sorry, elementary students blend robot Jewish holidays. Uh, an educational robot is helping teacher Helen Schwartz of the New England Jewish Academy blend STEM learning into lessons about six Jewish holidays. For Hanukkah, 
first and second grade, students programmed their robots to carry lolos around a table and wave the branch bundles in specific ways. And they quickly learned that temporary failure is an expected part of the design process, Schwartz says. The full story about this can be found at Smart Brief slash Education. Uh, in Mississippi, the, the district opens a new CTE center. A ribbon cutting is scheduled this week for the new Lee County Career and Technical Education Center in Mississippi. The $8 million center will provide opportunities for students in the district to gain hands-on career skills in eight areas, including aerial systems, culinary arts, advancing manufacturing, and ag agriculture and natural resources. The full story can be found at the Daily Journal in Tupelo, in Tupelo Mississippi. And oh, it is dated December 7th. Switch to the next one. All right, um, this is from the Ohio at Updates, dated December 8th, and state and local news. So new interim principal at Wooster High School announced, master plan updated. The Wooster Daily Record, Cornerstone Principal Eric Vizio, will serve as interim principal of Wooster High School until the end of the school year, then return to his position at Cornerstone. The retirement of Wooster High School's interim principal, John Duber, at the end of the calendar year instead of the end of the school year necessitated changes creating a domino effect in the district. Cornerstone Elementary School principal, Eric Vizio, will fill the vacancy at the high school on an interim basis. Wooster City School Superintendent Gabe Tudor told the board at Monday's evening's work session. Also reporting, Lakewood City School District receives the grant for mental health services, services and support, cleveland.com. Lakewood City Schools last month learned it received three Arches Foundation grants totaling more than $400,000 toward mental health services and support. Mental health is probably the main reason kids are going into the clinic and clinic medical clinic, which is our school-based clinic. That's a quote from Lakewood City School Director of Student Services, Lisa Bruning. Uh, and she said also that that's why the donations are so important, beginning with Three Arches Foundation, $122,000 grant over two years to the Cleveland Clinic Foundation which will pay for the continuation of employment of the district student's navigator, Michael Carr. Also reporting, Karma City Schools announces Building Our Future Consolidation Initiative, EYES 2022, Strategic Consolidation Related Tax Increase. Cleveland.com is where you can find the whole article. And it says, what hasn't changed since last spring when Parma and Parma Heights and Seven Hills residents voted down the second Parma City School strategic consolidation new money levy in a six month period is the district's need for new facilities. Beginning in January, Parma City Schools will be holding four monthly meetings organized around what Parma City School Superintendent Charles Malik called key actions to educate, plan, and inspire. Unlike previous efforts that include 45-minute presentations, the superintendent said building our future will be digging deeper into the district's needs. Okay. Um, there's also this, I guess this is kind of interesting. It's 
Gill Sweet Elementary School fourth graders adopt a cow and panda. Now, this is reported from Cleveland.com as well. Considering grazing opportunities are limited and bamboo doesn't grow at Gill Sweet Elementary School, fourth grade math and science teacher Hannah Gudras students have to virtually study their recent adopted cow and panda bear. The former kicked off the student's animal research effort as part of the Discover Dairy program, which connects classrooms with cows from across the Midwest, providing free lesson plan ideas in science, math, and reading. Well, I think that concludes our latest show. Thank you so much for listening. Love to hear your feedback. So leave a comment, um, maybe suggest a news story to us as long as it's educational and family friendly. We wish everyone happy and safe holidays. And just thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.